We've all been victimized by them, bitten, stung, and preyed upon. Indeed, irritating insects do seem to get the best of us. But did blood-sucking arthropods exist in the beginning, or did they evolve over millions of years? Stay tuned. The evolutionist has no idea as to the origin of the large group of animals called the arthropods. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. It seems that people and animals have always been afflicted by blood-sucking, biting bugs that try to ruin camping trips and are forever invading our homes. Blood-sucking arthropods have been a cause of death and disease for centuries, including the bubonic plague or Black Death of the 14th century, which killed over 25 million people. But before sin entered the world, God called everything he had created very good. So could today's biting bugs have had a different diet in the past? And what do evolutionists say about these irritating insects? Please join us for the next 15 minutes as we learn about the probable diet of bothersome bugs in the beginning and find out how these insects have perplexed evolutionists. Plus, we'll take a look at the design of one of the most hated pests, the mosquito. Blood-sucking insects such as mosquitoes and fleas require a blood meal or they cannot reproduce. ICR biologist Frank Sherwin says, since God created everything good in the beginning, these irritating bugs raise some interesting questions. Since Scripture does not teach an ongoing creation, God created in six days and rested on the seventh, His time of creating was finished, except for those who are born again, having a new life in Christ. The question now becomes, what was the original function of the wide variety of blood-sucking insects and others that we see today as being very pesky, a nuisance, and sometimes even life-threatening? The infamous mosquito is usually presented to the creationist as a challenge to the biblical model. What did the mosquito feed on before the fall? Although no one knows for sure what today's blood-sucking insects fed on originally, creation scientists believe that today's pests were non-parasitic in the beginning. Creation scientists can only hypothesize and offer scenarios just like the evolutionist. First, the female mosquito is a bloodsucker, not the male. Males feed on nectar from flowers, but the female needs protein in the form of blood for egg production. The exquisitely designed mouthparts of the female seem to be just right for extracting blood, or perhaps high-protein plant extracts before the fall. Even the evolutionist sees the 3,000 species of chewing lice, they are external parasites, as having come from free living, that is, non-parasitic ancestors. So do creation scientists. We believe internal and external parasites were once free-living before the fall and then became parasitic after the fall. So it's possible that the irritating insects of today were vegetarians in the past. Prior to the biblical teaching that allowed man to eat meat, everybody was a vegetarian. God, being the creator of our bodies, knows how important it is for essential amino acids and proteins to be present in a person's diet, especially if they did not eat high-protein meats. So the plants we would suggest prior to the Genesis flood and prior to the fall had a high amino acid amount that would be important for the metabolism of the individuals. Therefore, if the plants had a high amino acid and protein content, therefore the insects feeding off of these plants, such as female mosquitoes, would have no problem in sufficient protein concentration for their egg production. 
Many creationists agree that due to God's very good creation, parasites of today ate plant material in the past and not blood. But how do evolutionists explain insect origins? Frank Sherwin says despite our disdain for bugs, they do testify of creation. The listener should bear in mind that the evolutionist has no idea as to the origin of the large group of animals called the arthropods, of which the one million species of insects are a part. Christians believe insects were created during the creation week, complete and fully formed. Indeed, when we look to the fossil record, insects appear as insects. Even large varieties of bees and wasps, ants, beetles, and flies that are found entombed in amber can usually be identified right down to their genus, if not their species. And evolutionists admit that no transitional fossil insects have ever been found. Three evolutionists stated in 1997, As Darwin noted in The Origin of Species, the abrupt emergence of arthropods in the fossil record during the Cambrian presents a problem for evolutionary biology. There are no obvious simpler or intermediate forms, either living or in the fossil record, that show convincingly how modern arthropods, that is insects, evolve from worm-like ancestors. So what these three evolutionists are saying is that arthropods, or the insects that we're discussing, plus the arachnids, appear suddenly, abruptly, fully formed in the fossil record. Well, that sounds exactly what creation scientists have been saying for decades. Arthropods have always been arthropods. They will never find the quote-unquote missing links between arthropods, the insects, and some worm-like ancestor because they never did evolve from a worm-like ancestor. God created insects as insects. Dr. James Henson is Chairman Emeritus of the Division of Natural Science at Bob Jones University in South Carolina. It's very difficult in my mind to see any organism, mosquito or otherwise, and have any comprehension at all of its makeup, the genetics, all the rest of it, and still have difficulty with the idea that it had to be created, that it did not simply evolve. The fact is, order and pattern do not arise out of randomness and chaos. Uh, That's simply a very basic problem that the evolutionist chooses to ignore. The mosquito needs certain tools in order to feed. This alone is good reason to believe in creation. To have that type of mouth part, a rather long proboscis that is designed for sucking. Uh, It didn't evolve that way. It's not possible for it simply to have evolved. Part of the reason being you'd have had some awful hungry mosquitoes if they had had to sit around for a few million years waiting for their mouth parts to evolve. And Dr. Henson cites a child's game as an example of the impossibility of evolution. I tell my students occasionally, most folks are familiar with pickup sticks, and I ask if I had a set of those that was going to drop them on the floor, how would they predict they would land? In nice, neat order, grow segregated by color, or in a jumbled mess? And, of course, everybody agrees that they're going to land not in an ordered rows. And then the question is, why is that? And a second, is it possible for that to happen? And some of the students, interestingly, well, yeah, it's not likely, but it's possible. And the answer to the question really is no. It simply isn't possible that that would occur. And for those that are skeptical, I suggest they buy a set of pickup sticks and start conducting some scientific experiments and find out whether it's possible or not. And the length of time it takes them to come up with the right answer to that question is some mark of their intelligence. But whether we're looking at pickup sticks or mosquitoes, proboscises, or any other part of their body, 
all of this argues for a creator. What about the design of the mosquito? Just how intricate is it? Well, Dr. Job Martin of the Incredible Creatures That Defy Evolution video series gives us some examples of the amazing way God created these insects. Perhaps the most fascinating thing about the mosquito is its perfectly designed proboscis, or mouthparts. A mosquito is a fascinating little insect. It's really in the fly category. But you look at a razor blade under a microscope, and that's one of the sharpest, finest edges that we have, and it is as rough as it can be. But you look at a mosquito's dagger or stiletto under a microscope, and it's an absolutely perfect cutting edge. It doesn't have any little jagged things sticking out on it. It's a perfect... Uh, we can't manufacture something that smooth and that sharp. Our God designed that and made it, and it makes our efforts look puny uh, when we try to make something sharp because they aren't nearly as sharp as what God can do. So you have all this equipment, and it has like this saw with teeth of different sizes, one size on one side of the saw, another size on the other side of the saw, for like if it gets particularly tough skin on someone that it has to saw its way in, and then uh, it shoves these mouth parts down in there, and they kind of come together and form a tube, and those parts are different than the stiletto and the saw. With all this cutting and sawing happening to our skin, why don't we feel the mosquito's invasion? In their saliva, they have materials that kind of numb up the skin, and you don't usually feel them bite. Now, they can sometimes find a place on our skin where there aren't nerves. The mosquito has those antennae that are very sensitive. They can use those things to sense where capillaries are close to the surface so that they can uh, quickly cut their little hole. They don't really bite. They slice in with their dagger and, and get their proboscis, their mouth parts, down in there and form a sucking tube. And it's believed that mosquitoes can use their senses to avoid being squashed by their meal ticket. You try to swat a mosquito, and almost always, unless it's gorged itself, it's going to fly off of your body before you can actually swat it. And the scientists think that it actually senses your nerves when you kind of tense up and you're ready to swing at the thing, that it senses nerve impulses and it's oh i got to get out of here and so it flies away before you even have a chance to take your hand and swat the thing well where does that come from you know uh we have such an amazing god who has built such incredible things into his creation another incredible design feature of the mosquito is the way it prevents its victim's blood from clotting before it finishes eating they'll suck the blood up but they can also push saliva in and they have like an anticoagulant. They have a, a solution that helps to keep your blood from clotting, kind of like leeches do. Meanwhile, it has legs that have very special ways of attaching because it needs some leverage when it's going to cut its hole or whatever the thing it cuts there. It, it needs uh, some leverage so that it can push and saw and cut without pushing itself off your skin. But yeah, it's an amazing little creature with the types of equipment that it has. So, we can see how these parasitic insects that we'd rather do without bring glory to God because of the way He designed them. Dr. Henson.
Now, I'm driven back often, regularly, to Romans 1.20. That verse tells us simply that by looking at the things that have been made, we can know certain things about God. And the two things specifically are, one, that there is a creator, and secondly, that he is a powerful creator. And the last phrase in the verse is critical, so that they're without excuse. There will not ever be a single person who will stand before God in judgment and say, well, I never knew anything about you. God will say, well, you saw the sun come up in the morning, you saw it go down at night, you saw the order and pattern in nature, and all of that is sufficient to make you without excuse before me so far as creation and a creator has occurred. So people, educated or uneducated, who reject that evidence are simply guilty of a choice to reject an evidence that is present every day of their lives. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.